It's only for this Sunday. Say it with me. It's only for this Sunday. Some of you, um, I think, might be hyperventilating out there already. But again, it's only this Sunday, and you do not need to call the bishop. I talked with him already. In fact, he was grateful that I did speak to him, but he told me, he said, it's perfectly legitimate for any priest to do this um, without seeking permission. What am I speaking of? Well, there are two allowable orientations for worship. One is called versus populum, versus towards populum people, towards the people. That's what we're mostly familiar with. That's what happens at 99% of our parishes on Sundays throughout the world. The other is called ad orientem. Ad orientem, literally meaning towards the orient or towards the east. Okay? Um, Obviously, you might say, well, Father East is over there. Yes, our church is structured north and south. So ad orientum doesn't only mean geographically east. More commonly, it means liturgically east, that we all have a common orientation, the priest and the people. For centuries, Mass was only offered ad orientum, the priest and the laity facing the same direction when we are addressing God. It was only in the past 60 years or so that versus populum, the priest standing on the other side of the altar and looking towards the people, was allowed, and that has become almost universal, the common occurrence. So today, though, I wanted to give us all an experience of ad orientum worship. Um, But first, the reasons for doing so. And the first has to do why we're doing it today. In particular, why we are doing it during Advent. Well, one of the things about worship is it's meant to orient us towards the future. We call this the eschatological dimension of worship. Eschatology. That worship is supposed to get us ready for the coming of the Lord at the end of time. This is what Advent is all about. We need to be ready for him, for Christ's return. But in order to be ready for Christ's return, we have to be looking outwardly. We have to be looking forward for his return. A number of years ago, I was at my parents for for Christmas over those days. And uh, if you know anything I've said before about uh, my family, um, with all the kids and grandkids, my parents have a house here but they have a smaller cabin, and it's at the cabin that all the the kids and the grandkids uh, sleep. And when you have big gatherings like this, you kind of divvy up and assign the meals, right? So, okay. One breakfast, one morning, my sister Cassie, she was responsible for making breakfast. So she went over to the house earlier, and she was getting breakfast ready. And my brother-in-law, her husband, called up Cassie and said, Cassie, Xavier's going to be coming over to the house, so just keep a lookout for him. Xavier was two and a half years old. And so Cassie was getting uh, breakfast ready and looking out of the front window over over the sink, and so she could see Xavier coming to the house. Well, Xavier, being two and a half, tripped and fell on the gravel in the cold outside and started to cry. What did Cassie do? Well, she saw him, so she was able to run outside, grab him, and bring him in. But she was only able to do that because she was looking outwardly. She was ready for Xavier 
to come. Likewise, with ad orientum worship, our attention goes outward. It doesn't just stop at the altar with the priest facing us. Our attention goes to the altar, but then through the altar and onward. And therefore, it better signifies the eschatological dimension of worship, that we're looking outward for the coming of Christ. Second, ad orientum better signifies what is actually happening at the Mass. Remember, the Mass is the sacramental representation of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. At the Last Supper, Jesus gave us the ritual that he wants us to do in memory of him. The Mass is a sacrifice. We say the words of consecration, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and containing within it all the power of Christ's passion. And we offer Jesus, the living Christ, to our Heavenly Father. But how many Catholics actually know that? How many Catholics actually know that the Mass is a sacrifice? I never knew that growing up. And the funny thing is the language of our prayers all speak about sacrifice. Over and over, if you pay attention, you'll hear about sacrifice, offering, victim, oblation, and so on. So why didn't I know that the sacrifice or the Mass was a sacrifice, an offering made to God? I think it's because our actual experience at Mass doesn't signify, doesn't represent, express the fact that we are, in fact, making an offering to God. When the priest faces the people, versus populum, it isn't clear to the regular person sitting in the pew that the sacrificial victim, Christ on the altar, is being offered to God the Father. It appears as if the priest is just saying the magic words to turn bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus so that we can have communion. That's what I really thought. I thought that's all that the priest was doing was just saying the words to give us the Eucharist so that we could have communion. I didn't realize it was an actually offering made to God. Or if a person does pick up on the language and knows the Mass is a sacrifice, the fact that the priest is facing the people signifies more that he's offering the sacrifice to them rather than to God the Father. It's much different with ad orientum worship. When all the people together with the priest facing the altar, as the priest offers the living Christ in direction of the altar and direction of God the Father. So when is the sacramental representation of Christ's sacrifice most accurately represented and signified by the external and embodied experience of the priest and the people? It's when the priest is facing towards the altar. Selfishly, I have to say it's better for the priest too, personally. The priest doesn't get distracted as much. He doesn't have to worry about looking or not looking at people. He can better pray the Mass as if it's just him and God, knowing that the prayers of the people are supporting him in the offering. So today, I want you to notice three things. Three things I want you to pay attention to today. One, notice the dynamism of the liturgy of the Eucharist when the priest is at the altar. Your attention doesn't just stop at the altar, but it continues through the priest and onward and outward. Your attention goes to God the Father. 
Second, notice that you're called to join the priest in the offering. When the priest is always facing you, it's easy just to watch. Watch the priest do his thing. But today, realize that you are part of the offering, both as priest, but also as the victim, uniting yourself on the patent with Christ to the Father. I like to compare it to uh, a theater. When you're at a theater watching a play, you're watching them do their thing, all right? That's not the Mass. Contrast that with a hockey game or a soccer game or a basketball game. All of us are going together towards the goal, towards the basket, together. That's you and me going to the Father together. So it's easier to be pulled into the dynamic when we're all facing outward towards God. Thirdly, I want you to notice the dramatic changes in the priest's orientation, turning back and forth. It tells us that something is changing when he turns. He's facing the congregation, then he's facing away, then back, away, and so on. The priest is mediator. That means on times he speaks on behalf of God to the people, but on, at times he speaks on behalf of the people to God. The turning, the back, and the forth, in a sense, is traumatic in this sense, that we notice the difference, as we should. The behold the Lamb of God is especially beautiful. After the fractioning, the priest putting the living Christ back into the chalice, symbolizing the resurrection. And then he turns towards the people and holds up the blessed Eucharist, the sacrament, to the people. It's as if the bridegroom is leaving his bridal chamber to meet you, his bridegroom. Our bride, you and me. That's especially powerful in ad orientum worship. Friends, I believe not knowing that the Mass is a sacrifice offered to God is the single most reason why people stopped going to Mass. People didn't stop because of bad music or bad preaching, having to wake up early, or because someone looked at them funny. It's not because they didn't get anything out of Mass. Why? How do I know this? Because if we knew that we owed God worship, the offering of a sacrifice, if we knew it wasn't about us, but about God, then I'm still going to come, despite the bad music, despite the bad preaching, despite whatever, whatever, despite not getting anything out of it. Because I know it's what I owe God, the offering of the sacramental representation of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary. And ultimately, it's ad orientum worship that best signifies or represents that a sacrifice is being offered to God the Father. And again, only for this Sunday, okay? And I wanted to give you an example or an experience of this very um, historical and very traditional and very significant way of worshiping.